Welcome back to Hearness, Contemporary Art Practices for Connecting Body, Place and Space. At Hearness, we acknowledge the deep connection to land and waters by First Nations people all around the world. I'm your host, Dr. Sarah Breen Lovett, and this month we're very excited to be speaking to Bernie Dernheim, who is the alter ego of artist Ben Denham. Ben is originally from the Blue Mountains, where I first became aware of his work through video performance, which conveys a deep sense of connecting to place through elements such as air, water, and geological landscape. Ben's practice also involves creating highly articulated machines that translate language, body movements, and the landscaped environment into the most mesmerizing drawings. And more recently, his direct collaboration with alter ego Bernie Dernheim has evolved into experimentation with anarcho-syndicalist witch doctoring at the Sound Sight Academy, where they focus on interspecies and interdimensional communication. Bernie Dernheim. Yes. Thank you very much for coming to speak to us on Hearness. It's a it's a it's a it's a great honor to be here in on Hearness on the Hearness podcast. Um, and um, I know you had some questions that you were going to direct to my alter ego Ben Denham, and um, he's he's briefed me on those questions. So I'm prepared. I'm prepared to deal with those questions. I mean, we 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 have discussed actually his work quite a lot. Um, you know, that's part of our collaboration is is actually in depth discussions on his works. And and actually, you know, this is I'm, I'm really pleased that we have this opportunity to have this chat because um, it gives me the opportunity to redress some of the issues around the authorship of of Ben Denham's works. Um, because I, up until this point, I have been a, an unnamed collaborator in many of those works, and um, and 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 I, I do need to claim some of the authorship over some of them, not all of them. We'll see. We'll see which works um, that applies to as we go along. Excellent. Okay. Well, I I guess I just wanted to um, firstly touch on his PhD a little bit because it seems to me that the background of that research is feeding into his earlier work um specifically into the drawing machines work so i just wondered if you could talk a little bit about do you know anything about his phd i i do know a little bit about it i'm i'm one of the few people in the world who has read it actually you know it's like so many doctorates it's, it's very few people who actually read these documents and um he did entrust me to to read an earlier draft what did did you want the synopsis the you know what 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 were you interested in there yeah i guess i think well the the link between the way that the mind and the body works and the the processes of um drawing and making 
seems to be the gist of the PhD. Absolutely, yeah, 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 yeah. No, he he was he was like right into neuroscience at that time, and and his interest in science has have have evolved as have mine. I mean, I think we're 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 more uh, tuned to the biological sciences more generally. I mean, neuroscience is one aspect of the biological sciences, right? Um, uh, but and and he was really interested in in this aspect of mirror neuron functioning um, and thinking about empathy and language, and thinking about various aspects of um, of of embodied language, how language is is um, is something that uh, has all of these embodied dimensions and of course um, you know the voice is 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 one of them and, and I guess the only reason why we can have any conception of a, like a separation between the body and language is because of writing right because we have this kind of abstract form of language um, that exists uh, outside of bodies but for so much of our evolutionary history, we we didn't have that. Uh, we didn't have language. We didn't have uh, writing, and um, and language always was this very embodied thing. And and then yes, related very much to um, to to the drawing machine as it was as as they were back then. They were writing machines. Um, and um, there are these aspects of um, of 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 trying to you know in those early works of his you you see these these attempts to to make writing a much more embodied thing um, and of course i mean of course writing is always an embodied thing and maybe it's only in the reading that we see that that um, that it can somehow be disembodied you know and maybe also technology has you know recent technologies have made us think about writing as being more disembodied like you know as we text and type and so on these things um, maybe we forget our bodies but certainly in the handwriting there's a really important bodily component there and that's that's very much part of those those early works um, of Ben's where where he's doing these kind of somewhat difficult um, activities of trying to write multiple letters simultaneously with many pens held in in all different parts of his hands um, you know like those sorts of works are really about trying to bring back an embodied consciousness into that writing activity um, and um, and and then you know that that developed out into using using uh, the whole body you know, in 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 many of those works as well and 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 attempting to to write um, through these through these uh, mechanisms um, which added a kind of layer of difficulty and it, and it's that difficulty that um, returns one to one's body when you're grappling with a difficult task like trying to trying to you know maybe do some writing while you're dangling in a harness and you've got strings attached to your hands and feet and you're using those strings to control two sprays of ink um, and you're attempting to write letters with those those sprays of ink that that you know there's a there's a certain degree of difficulty there and 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 a demand to uh, for hearness as well right um on the theme of the podcast to to be present in one's body and to attempt to uh, you know grapple with this difficult situation it's fascinating because i think when you look at that early body of work of his from 2002 um, on the website and we'll put links to that in the show notes but there's a really extensive body of work um, of making the machines um, that extend from the body um, 
as you say, in the writing, but also in kind of different other gestures. Um, and then and then kind of later later works such as drawing with the ocean seem to be translating from nature in through the drawing process or the sounds the sounds of the ocean into the drawing process. Were you involved with those those works? Yeah, yeah, I've I've been involved with some of those later works with um and and more at the level of conversing about the work, you know, like a part of one you know one of the ways I guess that we collaborate as artists is through conversation, and um you know like uh, uh, I certainly have had conversations with Ben about some of these more recent works because they um they uh, they reflect our overlapping interests uh, more strongly than 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 some of his earlier work. Um, certainly, uh, the this interest in uh, communication with elemental forces uh, like the ocean and bringing those forces into some visible form that is an, an interest of mine. And, and Ben has been able to do that um, through through the kind of robotic drawing machine that he has. And so he's he's taking the sounds of the ocean and using them to drive the one axis of a of, of a kind of X Y plotter and um, you know that that is the drawing machine right and then he's using his voice to control the the other axis and um yeah the idea is to think about how we might collaborate with some of these elemental forces like the ocean and become aware of their energy in a different kind of visual form i guess because you know there of course acoustical energy is um is 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 a very tangible thing you know sound energy is something that we experience the sound waves um so there's this kind of translation of that sound energy into uh, a, a, an energy that animates the mark uh, on the surface of of the paper you know that's something that a lot of artists do you know is is kind of try and attempt to find ways to uh, take something that's maybe a, a, a beyond our ability to grasp fully and translate it into some kind of concrete uh, visible form or some kind of concrete material form you know may not be visible but you know bring it to to give um, a kind of voice to those much larger energies that we can't fully comprehend and to try and bring them into a material realm. Um, yeah, so I think that's, um, that's, that's one of the things that's behind that, that work. And, th and there, are, there will be other works in that series. Um, one of them is um, uh, doing some drawings here with, um, with the, the bats, the sounds that the bats are making. So there'll be some collaborations with the bats here on the river, on the Cooks River. Um, uh, so uh, we are in, that's something that we're collaborating on and we're in the process of gathering those, um, those recordings of the bats at the moment um, and their calls and um, figuring out how to bring them into that kind of drawing format that, um, that Ben has been working with. Um, but and, and figuring out what it means to be wandering around uh, the Cooks River and sharing a kind of an acoustic ecology with, with those bats um, because, um, uh, you know, one of the things that we, we both do on our walks along the river is, is, um, is, is to, to whistle and to 
do a kind of a kind of whistling that is about uh, attempting to make an make an acoustic connection to to the bats and you know and I think that's a I think that's an interesting thing as an as another aspect of 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 what we're talking about here is is that you know we can we can maybe bring some of those more ineffable aspects of our relationships into a kind of materiality through our art practice and um yeah and 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 i think that's that also speaks to to the 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 kind of heinous aspect of of the podcast you know this that in order to do that we have to really attend to those relationships first we have to spend time with you know with our fellow creatures and um and and spend time and and make an earnest effort to connect with them you know and 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 to take that on as a practice and then then we can start to think about how that might translate into a material form yeah, I'd, I'd really like to talk about that those aspects of kind of interdimensional communication um, a bit more with you in a second. But before we get on to that, I just, while we're, while we're kind of still in this realm, um, the early works 2010 in perspective and in flow, the video performance works that Ben did, um, I, well, they're what I, they're the projects that I first came aware of his work. And what struck me was, obviously that real sense of mindfulness or presence of being in place, specifically the one of um, him sitting on the edge of the cliff dangling the ball <laughs> where he could see the reflection of himself in the ball and, and it looked quite windy um, there, so it looked like quite a feat to make that work. But I think that really encapsulates the idea of kind of being with the forces or somehow trying to translate that into a visual form. Um, were you around in Ben's awareness at that time as well? Um, in, in perspective, yes, is definitely, uh, uh, I collaborated on that work with Ben. And, 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 and I'm, I'm really glad that you picked up on that and that elemental aspect of it because, um, because there is something about that, that connection to place that comes through the elements, comes through, through um, being in place and experiencing the weather conditions that are, that are particular to those, those places. And, and the escarpment in the Blue Mountains, um, it, 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 it can be very windy at times um, on the escarpment. And um, and the vegetation of the escarpment reflects that. And so, yeah, being being in those places and feeling those energies that shape the ecology, right? You, that that becomes an important thing. And then thinking about how that also shapes consciousness, how being in that place can can shape consciousness and can give you a sense of connectedness. Because on some level, uh, and I know Ben has spoken about this work in, in, in these terms, on some level, this is, this is like a, a technology of self-perception, right? If you could take any moment and shrink it down and then dangle it out in front of yourself and see it from a distance, then that would help you to perhaps appreciate the, uh, the full gravity of that moment in all sorts of different ways right so just having that 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 little bit of perspective 
on your own experience and 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 certainly it is it's kind of an image of of what we try and do through various meditative practices right you know is is to be aware of our awareness you know is and and to enter into that space to 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 try and be conscious of that 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 element of consciousness that is following the thread you know like in 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 a kind of mindfulness sense i know I'm, I'm getting a little bit esoteric there but um but but that's the image like trying to make an image of that you know and i think and i think again it's probably it's probably better stated in some ways it's better stated as an image than it is in the words that i'm fumbling over at the moment you know like if you can just you know take take these take a moment and, and kind of dangle it out then you're can actually be with all of those forces that are happening and even if they're quite intense you can still find a way to be with them without necessarily having to fight them you know even if the, even if you're being swept away you know or swept in different directions you can find a way to be with those energies i think that's really um poignant because when i first moved to the mountains the wind up there was a thing that i struggled with until I came across the thought of feeling as though it was massaging my body. <laughs> and then I couldn't get enough of it. I wanted to go walking on windy days because it just felt like a real sensorial kind of um, experience of the elements and really loved it. And it is that shift in consciousness to seeing it from a different point of view, whether that's experiencing it as a, diff as a positive um thing or seeing it yourself from the outside but it's kind of seeing it's taking a step back and looking at what the sensations of the elements are and how they how they can affect you and i think just the the inflow works as well the the water works that i know that he worked quite a bit with um in in that video 2010 but also subsequent works in different group shows in the blue mountains um that were they like a meditative action for him to make? Because they look much more calm working with the water than than the cliff face. I, I mean that the inflow work is um, a kind of meditation on that that aspect of of the way that water has shaped the geography of of the Blue Mountains, right? Um, and um, and uh, a mutual friend of of of, of Ben and I um, uh, was for a long time a, an outdoor guide in the Blue Mountains, and he, he he used to enjoy telling the American tourists that when the Grand Canyon uh, hadn't even started to form, the the valleys that you see in the Blue Mountains were much as you see them today right and so that just gives you an idea of of how slowly that uh that um that landscape has changed uh you know obviously in in um in when we're talking about the grand canyon the, the that's driven by by you know that has been eroded by the snow melts and and you know there's a huge amount of energy in the water that's going through there but there but there was no there's no uh there's no complex kind of ecology necessarily to slow down that that water whereas what you see in the blue mountains is actually all of this network of of, of different interlocking um 
ecologies that actually slow the path of 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 water through the landscape and um and so you have like at, at the headwaters of, of all of those creeks and at the headwaters of value valley of the waters you have a hanging swamp which acts as a kind of sponge to to soak up excess rainfall and to gradually release that and this is the reason why the creeks of the mountains will continue to flow even during t times of drought is because they have at, at their headwaters these big sponges that are the hanging swamps um, and then as you kind of go down into into those valleys you, you even if you you know uh, you can notice that there's kind of um, rock structures that are that are also dissipating the energy of of the water as it kind of flows into into um, into the valleys. Um, so so there's there's these kind of different elements and 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 the the sandstone itself is permeable, right? So you know the sandstone that makes up uh, those escarpments is permeable. So the so the water is actually passing very slowly through all those layers of sandstone too, like it's seeping into to to all of those layers of sandstone. And as it goes through all those layers of sandstone, it eventually hits a a, a an impermeable layer, uh, which is which is a kind of clay clay type layer at, that towards the, and and you can you can actually see that layer at the bottom of the cliffs um, you know in in the upper blue mountains and that's that's the reason why the cliffs are the height that they are and 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 it is because once all of that water has filtered through all of those layers of permeable sandstone and it's hit this impermeable layer it goes sideways right and in going sideways it creates a kind of lubricant that then allows for uh, landslides to happen right and 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 so like the, the the one place where you can see a recent landslide in the blue mountains is is the landslide it's on the walk from from um uh, if you go down the bottom of the scenic railway uh and you walk out to ruin castle you go across the landslide that's a that's a, a that's a relatively recent uh event and, but it's precisely those events that have shaped the valley. It's just that they have happened very slowly over millions and millions of years to carve out that valley of, of the Jamison Valley um, and of the, 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 the Gross Valley particularly, right, in, uh, in, and that you see when you in the in-perspective work. That's, the, that's on, the, on the Gross Valley side. Um, and the Jamison Valley, um, that's, that's the, the inflow work. So I guess we, we though in the case of inflow, uh, Ben filled these two buckets with water and he then proceeded to carry that water to somewhere near the headwaters of that creek. So up all of those stairs and to somewhere near the headwaters of that creek. And this was a, this was a way to produce a kind of embodied understanding of that water as a fundamental force in shaping the landscape and to make like a tiny and and utterly insignificant contribution to that force of 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 the water shaping the landscape by hauling those two buckets of water up to the headwaters and pouring it back in so that it may continue again back down on its path um doing that very gradual shaping of the of the landscape um, uh, through those processes that I've described. Mm, that's really fascinating. I didn't realize the full extent of that work and the kind of aspects of deep time um, around that and geology as well. Um, 
I'm just wondering about now if we'd like to talk about your your work um, more directly with the Sight Sound Academy. Uh, yeah, look, um, my work is um, is is shaped by all sorts of things, and it, and it is good to uh, actually talk a little bit about my own work um, um, of what I do at the Sound Soundside Academy, um, and you know our 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 little anarchist collective here, our our, our collective of 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 of, of anarcho syndicalist witch doctors. Um, part of my part of my relationship with Ben, and I think he would I think he would accept this, is that I am a kind of mentor to Ben. Um, but we do have we do have many uh, shared experiences and and commonalities, and part of that is our connection our connection to Latin America. We we have both travelled in Latin America, and we have both been fortunate enough to travel to the Amazon um, in Peru, and um, that that has 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 shaped uh, to a large extent um, our 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 uh, shared cosmologies, I guess you could say, our, our shared uh, perspective on our relationship to the rest of life and um, and and of our, the ethical necessities that come with uh, recognition of interconnectedness right because once you recognize that you are part of this larger body that is a kind of living fabric that exists across the surface of this planet then you have a responsibility to help to look after that that living fabric and um and you know like i i i i my role in you know as a mentor is to is to help ben to live up to that responsibility um these are difficult lessons for all of us to 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 take on is how do we how do we act with a sense of ethical responsibility that comes from comes with certain insights that have 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 been provided to us by our experiences and particularly um you know when i when i speak of those experiences i'm, I'm talking here um uh of of those experiences traveling to the amazon and um and 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 having uh the enormous privilege to to partake in in uh, amazon plant medicine and to drink ayahuasca um in that part of the world and um and i say uh yeah i mean i can't i can't emphasize enough that the sense of responsibility that that comes um from those encounters because um, there, there is, we are facing, you know, the destruction of 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 so many of these these incredibly rich biodiverse places that are the forests, and 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 uh, we, we're facing the calamities of, of of climate change, but also but also like a kind of mentality, a problem that 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 exists in our collective relationship to our fellow living creatures this idea that we can exploit um for us we can exploit the earth uh purely for our own selfish pur purposes as a species um there with that we have this this kind of fundamental uh disconnect from part of ourselves i think you know that that's that's really what it comes down to is that we are disconnected from that sense of how 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 interwoven we are actually on a fundamental level with the rest of life and that and that's like partly there's a genetic aspect to that right that we all share this kind of genetic code 
right? So there is this really fundamental material level on which we are all connected, you know, even down to the viruses um, that that currently plague us. That you know that that they their ability to to affect us is is because we share a code. We share. We share a code and, and we have to work out better relationships with all of those creatures. It's obviously really important, but also to understanding where, I guess that how those experiences in the Amazon that you had led to a shift in your consciousness. Is it something that was already there that was enhanced or did it totally change completely the way you understand yourself and the world? You know, like like our our experiences there have really um, they they do depend on a certain sensibility on going into those those encounters with a certain sensibility. I think if you if you have a really strong um, attachment to you know a particular vision of the world, then it can be difficult to see. Um, that level of connectedness, even with the incredibly powerful um, uh, psychedelic that is that is ayahuasca, right? Like that. I mean, that can that that can be enough to shake the the your the foundations of your worldview for a lot of people. But I think you know, for some people, that there's nothing that can shake you know where like their worldview. There has to be a degree of openness to. Uh, particularly plants, right? Like plants are the facilitators, you know, in that context. Plants are, are the facilitators of interspecies communication, really. That's what they're doing in that, uh, in that context of Amazonian plant medicine is that they're facilitating a conversation, um, that, that an interspecies conversation, um, that, that we, can, we, can, we can be in communication with plants. We can be, and through our communication with plants, we can then connect to a broader ecology of other creatures and an awareness of, of the ecology that is our body, right? Like that, that, that our body is, a, is a, a, an ecosystem and we can understand the way that plants are agents and they have a capacity to, to speak to us um, through, through, through a, a certain discipline because it is it is a really important fundamental aspect of the Amazonian plant medicine is the diet and 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 another important aspect of that is a sexual diet a diet of sexual abstinence um, so so that all of that discipline is what facilitates the connection and communication with 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 the plants and 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 the other species it, as much as anything else it's kind of saying to the plants that I'm taking this seriously. I'm taking our relationship seriously, you know, and I want to learn from you, you know, and, and when you say that, then the, the, the relationship can deepen, can become much more profound, you know, and, and, and there can be really beautiful moments of connection and understanding that, that emerge from, from that discipline. Are there, um, I guess, like you say, once you've had that experience, those experiences and then integrating them back into your daily life or daily rituals um, without necessarily having access to those plants, are there other things that you can do to create that communication platform? 
Yeah, I mean, I think certainly this is um, this is like part of that discipline is is um, yeah, like meditative practices, yoga, you know, like all of those things, and a practice of conscious effort to listen to your surroundings, you know, to be in your surroundings and just listen to what's going on there. Because I think that's that that's like a really fundamental practice, you know, whether or not we're ingesting plants to actually make that part of the practice is going into your surroundings and listening, being aware of what is going on in your surroundings. And it's a deep listening, that listening that happens as much with your ears as it does with your body, with your whole body. Like how do you listen with your whole body to 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 what's happening? And I think I think, you know, one of the ways that you do that is through your breath. So that's where, you know, we come back to those kind of meditative practices. That, you know, through a kind of training of the breath, we can the body the the whole body can become a, a, a kind of a, an, an organ of listening. All right. You know, and 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 I think that you know the yoga practice is also about that. You know, like um, that that you are kind of doing this careful attending to all of these different parts of your body, and you're bringing them into a kind of balance. And through that attention, then you, I think you're facilitating a, a broader kind of listening, where you where you your body can be the receiver for this kind of deep listening that I'm talking about. You know where which goes beyond what you're hearing you know but you're absorb you're able to to absorb maybe more frequencies of energy and information from your surroundings when you have that discipline do you want to share do, would you like to share your most amazing psychedelic experience with our listeners this is a this is a this is a um a, a, an interesting question and, and it's it's one of those questions that um that actually go kind of goes right to the heart of 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 these relationships that that I'm talking about, right? Because because if you had asked me that question, and if I think if you had asked Ben that question, um, you know, maybe five years ago, he would have willingly um, divulged all sorts of details about uh, his 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 experiences with ayahuasca, and um, you know, I, if you had asked me that question. Um, um, that that amount of time ago, I, I probably would have been the same. Um, uh, I I now I find myself hesitating because because I feel like there is a very intimate thing that happens in in those situations, and um, and there is like the, that there is a kind of intimate relationship that happens that that um we i think we have like i think you have to really think about how much of that you want to speak certainly um i think as someone who went into those experiences we with a kind of um with a kind of i guess what you could say like a, a kind of buddhist kind of worldview you know like I, I think that's how i went into those those initial experiences with uh, you know like we've been talking about meditation and and so on and um and and uh i i, I think the way that that shifted was really inf- interesting to me you know that that uh, that how i went from kind of a, a a largely maybe buddhist understanding of my place in the world to one that was mm, perhaps a little bit more grounded 
in relationships to other species. Um, you know, I think, um, and I, and that's not to say that's not part of Buddhism, right? Of course it is, but 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 um, that that recognizing the full agency of other species of plants and their, and and having experiences of them communicating through song with you in ceremony um that that shifted a little bit you know in terms of where i guess i would focus my practice you know like what like the it shifted the focus of my practice to thinking about how not not necessarily just thinking about um i don't know like this idea in buddhism that of 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 everything having being in some way illusory um um and and you know like that's like like i guess you know i should also say that i'm i'm not a buddhist scholar you know i've read i've read a couple of books and i read particularly i i i should cite my references here um i i i was particularly influenced by um the tibetan book of living and dying right not the Tibetan Book of the Dead, but the Tibetan Book of Living and Dying, and I'm I'm embarrassed to say that I I, I haven't memorized the author's name of that book, um, but but that those accounts of 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 thinking about death, you know, and the importance of kind of meditating on death in life, they really shaped my early experiences with psychedelics and with with mushrooms, and and certainly I had experiences with with mushrooms, particularly of of convincing myself of, of 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 really coming a close having a close encounter with my own mortality you know of of really convincing myself of of the reality of death and 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 of that creating a, a profound kind of spiritual shift in 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 who in in my being you know like because once i'd convinced myself of the reality of my death i think i think it, it you know i think you know, people talk about ego death with psychedelics, and like I, you know, like I, it was a kind of version of that, I guess, that I experienced when I was younger with with mushrooms, and it's kind of fitted with these Buddhist understandings that I was getting. And then with with um, ayahuasca, it it really wasn't about ego death; it was about how do you relate to this world, to to the creatures of this world, and and how can you be in conversation not only with the with, with the plants how can you listen to what what to their knowledge but also that the possibility that there are these healing intelligences that uh, maybe don't occupy a body um and or maybe they do i don't know like the experiences were you know some were kind of mysterious on that level but but you know that there there are there are these entities that are out there that are, have the capacity to heal and that are embedded in these you know ecological relations and and connections and and um i guess that's yeah i mean i know i'm i'm kind of talking around an experience but i i mean i hope i hope i i hope i've communicated like you know, my why I have that hesitancy in actually just naming the experience, you know. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, I guess I think um, I I understand I understand and respect the hesitation. 
Um, but thank you for sharing what you did. I mean, like I, I will say, look, I will say this: that I that 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 you know that when you when you have that kind of degree of openness and you are willing to kind of listen and be open to these these kinds of experiences, that there are uh, really profound layers of relation that can be that can be learned you know and i guess that's the other thing that i would say about it is that 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 this was this was information that was transmitted through the song through the song or, or in the ceremony right and 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 it's the curandero in the ceremony who who is singing who is able to translate so so it's an introduction to this really profound knowledge system that is associated with with plant medicine but it's but the, all of those experiences that i'm alluding to here um are, are faci have, were facilitated by the curandero singing right and and this is inf this is this is it's it's song that heals it's it, these are, these are songs that are calling on these healing energies and it's the it's the song that allows for communication to the plants and it's it's the song that guides the the visionary aspects of the experience it's all there a knowledge that's transmitted through song to the body without like some without any language intermediary you know like now we we're talking about language earlier but this is like there's no there's no there's no nothing no no intermediary it's just direct from song to a, a profound bodily experience this is why I've, i am you know like incredibly grateful to those cultures that that uh, have maintained that level of knowledge uh, and, and, and of understanding of of the way that knowledge is inscribed in bodies right that that's that that and that that it exists fundamentally in bodies and um and that that is a that is a, a kind of knowledge that goes beyond what we can chat about here hmm. i think that's that's an interesting point because it leads to my my last question which perhaps is the trickiest of all and i don't really even know how to um articulate it but it's around the sensitivity of of you know cultural boundaries around these working with these things from other places i mean i guess in some ways when you're talking about it it feels like um you know interspecies interdimensional communication it feels like the significance of our borders and our boundaries may be dissolved but then trying to maintain the respect and as you said the acknowledgement um of the of the cultures that have maintained this knowledge system that we can so that we can access it and learn perhaps what our cultures may have have forgotten and it's been erased you know um i just wonder have you thought have you thought around those issues have you got anything um specific to say there yeah yeah no i think they're i think they're really important uh things to think about definitely um and like there there is because i think that there 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 are a number of different thoughts that occur to me as you're asking that question one is um one is to think about how there is this aspect of of okay we're sharing this knowledge with you and this is knowledge that's coming through the curandero through his or her song 
Um, but it's also, there are also these other entities that are present and, um, and that that knowledge comes with responsibility, right? That knowledge comes with a responsibility to, to think about how you can put that knowledge into practice in your world. Like part of the insights and part of how we relate well to other cultures, you know, which is kind of your question is when we cease to punish ourselves and those around us and we find, you know, ways to positively reinforce the values of, the, of, of, of interconnectedness that, that, that are really, and, and love, you know, of course, as well, you know, interconnectedness and love that, 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 that really bind us um, and, and that, that allow us to, I think, perceive the, those deeper connections to, to the living fabric of the planet. We hope you've enjoyed this conversation with Bernie Dernheim. All links to his work and Ben Denham's, references discussed in the show and social media links can be found on hearness.org. The sound work for this month's episode comes from Ben Denham's own field recordings of interspecies communication between Bernie Dernheim and the fruit bats along the Cooks River. We should leave you with this now to drift off into your own sense of hearness, your body, your place, and your space. Until next full moon, goodbye. <laughs>